How do you pinpoint and select asset IDs? Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee. And in this episode, Moore and I will talk about how to best select the correct asset IDs. In our last episode, we talked about how to define your assets. We went through determining what is important, what it is you're trying to uh, track, and what views and rules of the assets you're trying to codify. Maura, let's jump into selecting the correct asset ID. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Lee. Yes, so asset IDs. This is where life gets interesting in the world of asset data. Remember we talked in one of our earlier episodes about how all the different parts of your business have a different view of your assets. The finance team is looking for kind of big capital expenditures that need to be depreciated. They might also be looking for property that needs to be taxed real estate property, real property, or even sales and use tax if you're talking about expensive inventory parts, big motors or turbines or something. That's a valid view. And in the finance system, there's probably a fixed asset register and all of those entries have an asset ID. But what we've seen is that that asset ID is usually at a higher level of roll-up not as granular as, say, the maintenance and operations team. They need very detailed views into your assets so they know what has to be inspected, what has to be maintained on a regular basis, what kind of regulatory requirements there are, and also what might break down and need to have maintenance done on it, emergency maintenance or corrective maintenance done on it. And so they build IDs at that level. And this fits exactly in with what we were talking about in our last episode of how do you define the asset by value, by the ability to, the, the need to track it separately or report on it or fix it. So the key with deciding on your IDs is we can't just have one. There isn't going to be one that everybody's happy with, but it's how do they relate to each other? So if you have the very granular IDs that the maintenance and operations team has, those should be pretty close to your capital construction or development team where they're building something because they also need to know all those little details in order to build things. Now, they might even need to know more details. Depends on how big the project is and if um, your team has moved into a building information management model using the BIM techniques where you're actually tracking every single little piece of something that goes into it with a bill of lading and then you have your big 3D model. Sometimes that's even too low of a level of granular detail for the maintenance and operations teams. They might not need to keep up that data all the time, but you want to be able to go from whatever your lowest level of detail is and what your asset IDs are there. You want to know who's responsible for adding a new asset to your system, who gets to add that ID, how does it get created? We like to recommend that the system creates the asset ID and it's not really a meaningful ID, but it's sort of a gateway into your database where it tells you where you can look at all the other data about it, serial numbers, model numbers, manufacturer, that kind of thing. 
and rather than trying to build some meaning into a long string of characters in our world of databases, we really don't need to do that anymore. But you build that, you decide, okay, this is going to be our system of record. Say it's your maintenance management system. This is our system of record. This is where we're going to define assets at the lowest level of detail based on all the agreed definitions. And we assign an asset ID. But we also then build the rules for how do you group together assets into other levels and roll them up to, say, those assets that are on your fixed asset register in the finance system so that you can trace back and forth between a high level, big ticket item, depreciating it, but understanding what are the pieces of it and how does the change, how do changes that happen at the lower level impact the value of that higher level asset. So as long as you are able to keep track of those different asset IDs and the relationships between them, everybody can be happy. So how do you do that? First, you do your definitions like we talked about last time. Second, you pick your system of record for each type of definition at each of those levels. Is it going to be in the maintenance management system, in the finance system? It might be in a GIS system if you're talking about linear assets where you're tracking, say, pipelines or roadways or railroad tracks or something. So whatever it is, you pick your system for each ID and then build a data model that actually describes and defines what each of these systems of record contain, how the IDs are created, and define the relationships between each element in the system. If you move into the world of master data management, you can automate things like, okay, I've created a new asset in my maintenance management system, and it has some traceability to the GIS system. So I can build that link through my master data solution and be able to report between the GIS system and the maintenance management system. Here are all the things that are happening in this geographic location. That would be really useful if you had a flood. What assets do we have in this valley where something flooded recently? We know that you know the pipe ran through there or there's a dam there, but do we know all of the pieces that might have been damaged, might have been affected, might be related to some other part of your system? This is a good way to keep that traceability. So what do you think about that? Well, something was running through my head as you were talking about that. And I know this is at a very granular level, but at one company that we were working at, you were working on a parts catalog. So I want to understand the relationship or if there is a relationship from what you were doing there to what you're talking about here. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the parts catalog because that's a, that was an interesting sort of tangential piece of work. So in your maintenance management system, you've got your asset definitions, you've defined all of the pieces of equipment that you need to run your campus or your building, and you know where they are because you've assigned them a specific ID, and that specific asset ID has an attribute that says, this is my location for it. This is where it's sitting. What you've also defined in that asset record where it tells you where it is, it tells you what it is. You know, it's a motor and it's made by this company and it has uh, this expected life. It has this serial number. If it's big enough, it might have a serial number, but certainly it has like a model number or specifications. You know, that motor has a, a life. 
Um, the building, we hope, is going to last 50 or 100 years. When you build a building, you're going to depreciate it on at least 50 years. That motor is probably not going to make it for 50 years. Or let's talk about a boiler. Boilers are more likely to sit in buildings. Um, so the boiler is not going to make it for 50 years. Or maybe it will, but it's going to be on its last legs. So you might have to change out the valve in the boiler over and over again during that 50 year time frame. Or you might have to change out a drain or a pipe that, you know, the steam pipe that comes out of it, or who knows what piece of it. So the parts catalog is actually the details of what are those parts that you might be changing out of that boiler? It's the valve, it's the filters, it's the steam pipe fitting that goes in. And so in your record about the boiler, you have that bill of lading of all those small parts that make up that boiler. Some of them might have their own asset IDs because they fit your definition, they're big enough or they need regular inspection or maintenance of some kind. But whichever way you do it, you have details on what parts can be replaced there. So your parts catalog is, here's our current list of all the parts that we need for doing maintenance um, and inspections. And these are our approved vendors. This is how you order a new part. And it can that can feed your inventory. And you can actually build automation into your inventory management so that as you use up the, th you know, the three, you have three of these on hand, you've used two of them and it triggers a purchase order to go get another three that are approved to come into your inventory. So that was what the parts catalog was, is taking that asset data, those de asset definitions and the specific assets that you have that are currently deployed in your asset base and doing that mapping to how do we keep these going? How do we repair them? How do, what do we need on hand? What are the specifics of the part? So that when something breaks, you don't have to send a guy out there to look at it and try to read the label on it that says, you know, serial number and manufacturer and, and all of that. That's what it is. But you also know this larger asset has these smaller components associated to the parts catalog. Yes because everything fits inside of everything else. <laughs> um, and the specifications, like how wide is the opening for the filter or the valve and what's it coated with, because that might that could make a difference if it's um, in a corrosive environment or something. So all of those details are in the parts catalog. And then the parts catalog connects to this particular valve is on this asset and it might have its own ID, it might not have its own ID, but you know, you know what it is. All right. Do you want to circle back to just summary of the asset ID? Okay. Good idea. I was trying to think how to wrap this up because we just kind of went down this hole, right? We started at the top with the fixed asset register, very high level. We've got asset IDs and they relate to something big. And then you break that out and you've got your maintenance management system. It's got the level of asset ID that you've all agreed on. And then you connect that to your parts catalog. Each of those parts in the parts catalog has an ID also, um, because but it's like a type as opposed to a specific. It's like motor number 362 has these characteristics, but it's not a specific motor, it's a type. Whereas motor asset number 11, 12, 14 is actually deployed 
in this part of your organization doing this job as part of an asset system on your asset base and you know that it is type what did i say first one two three <laughs> um, motor type one two three from your parts catalog so it becomes an attribute but it's a link the idea here is that deciding your ids gives you control over which systems of record contain the source of truth for each of these pieces. Your parts catalog might be in an inventory database. It might be in your purchasing system, but you understand how things get added to that. And then how do those IDs relate to your maintenance management system? And what is added there are the assets at the most granular level that everyone's agreed that are actually deployed and being maintained across your asset base. And then you have your fixed asset register, which has big ticket items, capital items for depreciation for tax purposes. And you understand how those things get added into your fixed asset register and how they relate down. It's a lot. So in our next episode, we're going to talk about how to how you follow the data. And then in the episode after that, we're going to talk about actually getting to where do these assets, where do they exist for real, not just in the world of data? It is a lot, but we're trying to break it down and we're trying to create an umbrella here of the items that you need to pinpoint, the things that you need to define and keep going so that people can put it all together and see the big picture. Exactly. It's a lot of details, but the, the, uh, the principle to come out of this episode, keep one thing in mind, is system of record and asset definition, and then how do you assign an ID to an asset that meets your definition for this system of record? If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune into our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes to Jason Blake, who created our music. Thanks, everyone.